On today's show, the Bucks beat the Lakers. And finally, we saw Damian Lillard and Giannis alongside each other as teammates. We've got our first look at the new superstar duo in Milwaukee. We're going to break down what we saw from those two and then discuss some of the other performances as the Bucks move to 2-1 and one in the preseason. It's rare that Milwaukee has multiple preseason wins. Max him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. My name's Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my work over at ESPN. Alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's episode that's brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for 20 bucks off your first purchase. And uh, as always, we thank everyone for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or first listen of every weekday. And this is a nice way to ease your way into the week, seeing Damian Lillard for the first time in a Bucks uniform on national TV against the Lakers, and the Bucks get a win as well. So it was a pretty fun night if you're a fan of the Milwaukee Bucks for sure. So we appreciate the support, everyone jumping on board, leading into the start of the regular season. If you haven't done so yet, uh, subscribe, turn the notifications on, drop a comment, let us know how you're feeling after seeing Dame for the first time in a Milwaukee Bucks uniform. We appreciate the support. And let's start there, Frank. The Bucks do get this win, and it was a pretty fun game in stretches, to be fair, for a preseason game. I think our excitement was a little bit heightened, but the final 108 to 97. And we got a, a decent slice of, of Dame in this one. He plays 22 minutes, get 10 shots up, has 14 points. You saw him knock down uh, a three off his first basket for the Bucks, an assist from Giannis. But I think there was also... Uh, a little bit of rust associated with his performance tonight. But what stands out for you with Dame other than the fact that even though we knew it was coming, it still felt a little bit weird to see Damian Lillard out there in a Milwaukee uniform? Yeah, you could tell uh, in the first quarter, you know, he I don't know how long it was before he took a shot, but, you know, yeah. probably being a little overly deferential, you know, like new yep. guy not wanting to uh, start jacking up shots. So he was, you know, I think looking to get other guys the ball and, you know, it was kind of funny. I mean, like D'Angelo Russell was like face guarding him at times. Yeah. You know, there were there were times in the first quarter where um, or first half where they were having Malik Beasley bring up the ball just so Dame wouldn't have to, um, you know, go up against D'Angelo Russell kind of pressuring, um, which, you know, you don't think of D'Angelo Russell as, as doing that. But um, I'll, I'll get around to that a little bit. I, th- I thought, you know, there's some I have some thoughts about the Bucks kind of point of attack defense and you know, compare that to a guy like what we saw from D'Angelo Russell, who again is, is not someone we think of as a strong defender, but, um, but yeah, I think, you know, settled in sort of as, as the game wore on, uh, you know, I think uh, found Giannis in when he kind of got um, not a, not an outright double, but I think it was one of the first pick and rolls that he had with Giannis found Giannis um, with a bounce pass and Giannis basically had a four on three and, Giannis, I think, took one dribble and kicked it. I think, I don't know if it was Brooke or somebody was wide open for a three. And, you know, that, again, just thinking through, like, what is this pick and roll going to look like? But, you know, if you think that, like, oh, Giannis is just going to get, like, tons of dunks out of pick and rolls, like, 
no, that's not going to happen either because teams are going to collapse. And honestly, like probably one of the, the biggest things here is just how those two guys are going to open up opportunities for everybody else out of the pick and roll. Um, you know, it's, you look at like pick and roll, like the roll man stats on the NBA website, for instance, like guys don't get that many shots out of pick and rolls. It's like, it's hard, right? It's, you know, it's hard to get guys layups and dunks out of pick and roll. Not that, not that easy. And, you know, I think the tendency, you know, you see a guy run a perfectly executed pick and roll for like a lob finish or something like that. It's like, I'll oh, just do that all the time, you know, but it's like, well, then defenses do different things. They bring a third guy, they, you know, bump you at the nail, whatever it might be. So it's all about, you know, just, putting pressure on the defense and then adapting to what the defense is giving you. So um, I think one of the other early pick and rolls, you know, they, they kind of like didn't look like they were on the same page. And, um, but you know, again, this is just the start of, mm -hmm. of uh, what's hopefully a long and fruitful partnership between Dame and Giannis. And uh, you know, it's funny as I seemed almost like Dame was more comfortable to start the third quarter when Giannis, you know, wasn't playing because it was just sort of like, all right, you know, Dame just go be the one man offense and, and go cook. Um, so it's almost like, and that's what he's used to doing in Portland, right? He doesn't have to worry about, you know, keeping the other, you know, the superstar happy or keeping the other superstar fed. So, um, certainly, you know, it felt like in the first half, yeah, Giannis was kind of the more comfortable guy, just taking control and being like, eh, as my team, I'm just going to do the stuff that I do. Uh, whereas Dame was a little bit trying to fit in. Um, and, you know, look at his final line, two for two, for seven from three, three for 10 overall, um, did get to the line a fair bit, which, you know, six, six free throws in, in 22 minutes. We talked about that being, you know, one of the obvious um, differentials between him and, and Drew Holiday, just the amount of free throws that, that he creates. So, um, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, again, good to kind of get it out of the way. Nobody got hurt. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, next game, two days from now, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of skeptical that we're going to see those guys necessarily play in uh in okc but i mean then again like you know like game conditioning is a thing and uh we'll see now that they've had the first you know week or so of preseason off maybe they will play all of the last three games um but we'll see just with how careful the bucks tend to be about these things wouldn't surprise me at all if they got another rest but again i think also you know given the newness there's an argument like, Hey, let's just, let's at least get some work in just to kind of build some of that familiarity, which obviously tonight was, uh, was just the start of. It was interesting because in some of the interviews that Dame has done over the last few weeks, he spoke about the idea that he hasn't done a lot over the summer in terms of playing five on five basketball. It's not like he was at the world cup, like a lot of these guys uh, playing basketball across the league anyway. So, you know, was, he played 22 minutes tonight. Giannis sat out after halftime. I did get a tweet from a Bucks fan that was in the building that said, uh, Giannis isn't starting the second half and John Horse has just left his seat. What's going on? Uh, well, he was just going to do an interview on the ESPN broadcast. So I appreciate the panic and concern uh, from Bucks fans there, though, for sure. I do think, you know, it's going to be interesting. And I, and I think it will take some time for these two to work out how to play alongside each other. You mentioned because of probably the way Dame was being guarded, Giannis brought the ball up the floor a lot, and I was curious to see how that looked, uh, and we'll be continually uh, curious to see how that plays out. Uh, Giannis, after the game, spoke about the fact that even if it didn't look like he was getting easy stuff going to the basket, he finished 7 for 10 in this game. And we have spoke about the efficiency a lot, and this is a, a pretty good Lakers defensive team, even though there was no LeBron. And he was saying, well, it, it's just so easy. And I, I was looking at the way they were guarding Dame. I've never played with someone that's going to be guarded like this in a preseason game. So I think that's going to be fascinating to watch this develop because the other point to note is 
you know, there was a couple of those kickouts where it's Jay Crowder, and it's like, well, I'm happy with Jay Crowder shooting open threes, uh, but my mind did go to what does that look like when Chris Middleton is the third guy and he's on the other side of the floor? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll remind you, Jay Crowder was a 43% three-point shooter last yeah. year, Kane. Chris was only yeah. 31 or 32%, so... Well, uh, he, he, maybe he doesn't but... feel comfortable with the open shots. So that's something to I know. Watch. <laughs> I know. I know. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Right. That's what is interesting. I'm, I'm really curious to see with Chris. Right. There's always this tendency. I think Kevin Pelton was talking about on the low post, you know, to think like, oh, well, you know, someone will just get more open shots and, you know, they'll, they won't have to force stuff. And so their efficiency will go way, way up. And it's like, it doesn't usually actually happen like that typically. Like, Players actually typically are kind of, they are more who they are. Um, they don't just kind of like randomly become super efficient, um, you know, as their roles shift a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously you want to get Chris uh, in into the lineup sooner rather than later. Uh, of note, John Horst alluded to getting him to at least one preseason game. Uh, he referenced in an article, an interview he did with, with our friend Eric Name at The Athletic. Um, Tending at hopefully trying to get a couple preseason games, uh, but we'll see. You know, if I had to, if I had to bet, I would probably say, you know, maybe it's just that um, Friday game in Milwaukee. Give him, you know, another few days off um, rather than than running him out in uh, in OKC. Uh, but we'll see. You know, I think the good news is he's been practicing five on five, so I think a lot of the concern at the start of camp where it was like, Oh, he says he feels great, but wait, he's not even playing five on five. What's going on. Um, you know, he's practicing with the team now. So he's doing the stuff that, you know, you have to do, uh, as sort of that last, you know, step before, before playing live game action. Um, so, so again, they're not rushing the process, of course, yada, yada bucks talk as, as we're used to hearing it. Um, but, uh, but, but we'll see kind of how, what that means for Chris and, and his involvement, uh, for the rest of the preseason. But yeah, I mean, just good to, see at least two thirds of the guys uh, that are going to be the engines of this offense actually play, uh, play real minutes together. And uh, you know, it wasn't a work of art by any stretch. They kind of had the slow start again, Dame kind of being a little, maybe a little deferential. I think what the Lakers got to like a 10 2 start or so, and then kind of, they kind of real, real things back in a bit. And then obviously sort of the bucks, um, you know, pushed ahead as, as sort of the game went on. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, again, like, preseason you know dame's going like 80 80 speed you know um again you just sort of get through these check boxes um obviously they mean more for kind of these young guys fighting for rotation spots uh but you know a little uh little walkabout kane got a little walkabout in today and uh we'll see we'll see if they get another one in on tuesday or if we wait till friday yeah, two more games left in the preseason there and then uh, a few days off before the season opener. So I suspect we'll see him at least one more time. That seems to be the messaging there. But uh, overall, I don't think you could ask for too much more unless you wanted Dame to go 10 for 10 in his preseason opener. But seeing him knock down a three, seeing him get fouled on a three, as you mentioned, Frank, seeing him get to the uh, basket as well, uh, he is, you know, you always think of the, the three-point shots, but he's someone that can put it on the floor as well. I think it's going to add... Uh, an extra dimension there. So pretty exciting overall. We've got plenty more to talk about from this game. But first, uh, Game Time. And the Game Time app specifically, this is exactly what you need to be all over coming into the NBA season, but also uh, all your other events. And Game Time is uh, the place to get your tickets. It has deals right up to the start of the event. And even an hour after it starts, it's the place to find all your last-minute seats. 
You can find exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theatre, and much more as well. The game time guarantee also means that you'll get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So download the game time app, create an account, use the code locked on NBA for 20 bucks off your first purchase terms apply again, create an account and redeem code L O C K E D O N N B A for 20 bucks off download game time today. Last minute tickets. Lowest price guarantee. More preseason basketball coming up this week on Locked On Bucks. And you know we're going to have the post-game show there. Oklahoma City Thunder coming up. But just a, a long preseason road trip for the Bucks. They've used it as a mini uh, training camp there. But plenty of good shows coming up this week. Make sure you subscribe and got the notifications on so you can keep up to date uh, with plenty of Dame chat. Uh, feel free to wrap up any Dame thoughts you've got by the way here but one of the guys i do have uh, to mention here surprise surprise we've spoke about him a lot i didn't start the last podcast with him i started with jay crowder you called me out for it i thought it was a fair enough point that you made there but we've spoken about the the roller coaster nature of marjon bochamp a little bit and just and and he's a young guy so i think it's fair that if we point out when he doesn't have a good night we should point out when he does some nice things I think it's noteworthy because I've certainly been someone that said, look, he's going to get his chances. And it looks like he's going to be in the rotation to start the season. He's getting the first quarter minutes, the first half minutes. I know Andre Jackson Jr. was spoken about a lot. He seems to be with the other younger guys towards the back end of the season. So Adrian Griffin, to me, even though there's no Chris Milton there, looks like he's committed to giving this Marjan Pochamp uh, experience a, a chance to start this season. And I thought he was pretty good tonight. He had a nice steal. Uh, he had a, a, a nice assistant transition. He hit a couple of jump shots. He looked aggressive again. And I think this is the interesting thing with Marjan Bochamp, just the, the roller coaster between when he looks confident and assertive and then other nights when it looks like maybe he's just going through the motions. Yeah. And he had a block and a steal and had another near steal on defense. Um, you know, I, Malik Beasley is not, you know, running away and hiding with that starting shooting no, guard spot. No. Um, I think, you know, this was a game where, um, you know, this was probably his best game as a Laker, or at least it felt that way in the first half. Like he's getting a shot block, missing jump shots, struggling on defense. Uh, you know, I know uh, some of our Laker fan friends were not sorry to see him go, especially with the way he struggled in the playoffs and was behind bench last year. They, People are not, we're not worried about losing Malik Beasley in, in LA. Uh, so for him to to show up now as the starting shooting guard for the Bucks in LA, it was a bit ironic and it seemed like he was, I don't know if he was feeling nerves or what, but uh, but yeah, it did not look good to, to start the game on either end. Did did hit a few shots sort of as, as things went on in the second half, you know, kind of bumped that, that shooting percentage up a little bit. I think if he finished three out of 10. Uh, but, you know, the idea that he's going to be like the answer, like, as your two-way guy defending, you know, like protecting Dame and or Chris and defending like the, you know, best wing, like, man, he's going to have some tough sledding if that's going to be his job. So I think that means that, again, a guy like Marjan, he needs to stay ready because, um, you know, there's going to be nights where Malik Beasley gets two fouls right away because he can't defend guys that he's being asked to defend. and I thought, you know, again, it's like, you know, it was an odd game, right? Game one, Marjan was good. Game two, he was not. Game three, he looked better again. Um, 
you know, just look comfortable getting to a little floater after kind of a picking up a loose ball, hits a little pull up from mid range. Um, like we said, made some plays defensively, uh, you know, again, nothing like huge jumping out the page, but I think also just like defensively, just, you know, 30 feet from the hoop, moving his feet, staying in front of like a guard. Um, again, like Bucks need somebody that can do that. Right. And whether it's him, you know, whether there's some opportunities at some point we expect, uh, for Andre Jackson Jr., you know, he seems to be behind Marjon in terms of, you know, just the opportunity set right now. He's coming in later in games than Marjon is, playing fewer minutes than him in the preseason. Um, but I think we both assume that at some point because of injury and, you know, because I don't think they have, you know, all the answers at this point on this roster, I think we will see Andre Jackson. And, you know, he also, again, had a, had a few mm-hmm. interesting moments like he's had pretty much every game. So I think, yeah, I mean, they said those guys will get opportunities. I think... You know, we can tell from who's been starting these games, right? The kind of call out, you know, the rough nine-man rotation. We'll see how many guys are actually playing night to night for Adrian Griffin. Uh, but, you know, we know the five starters at this point, if you put Beasley in as the shooting guard. And then, you know, the kind of four guys off the bench, obviously Bobby and Pat, you know, are the two guys, the Givens, the carryovers from previous years. Uh, and then Jay Crowder, obviously, has been starting in Chris's absence at the three. So, I'm going to assume that he's probably the backup three um, at this point. Obviously he can play four as well. Um, and then, you know, campaign, I guess, you know, presumably would be your backup point guard when, when Dame is off the floor. Um, and it'll be interesting to see for him, you know, uh, I think, I think his value just like is so much tied to just like whether he's hitting three pointers and runners, you know, like if he has a down, you're doing that stuff then I think in the playoffs, you're going to probably try to figure out how to, you know, minimize his involvement, if not entirely. Um, but if he has a good year, as he did a couple of years ago, then, you know, he's going to be a super interesting, energetic, energetic kind of addition there. Uh, but, you know, he didn't, I, I haven't looked at him as a guy that I think has distinguished himself defensively either. So, um, so on the one hand, you can say, like, well, that's, that's your four guys off the bench. You know, how many guys are you really going to play? And you haven't mentioned Marjon or Andre Jackson, or Robin Lopez, who's played a lot, but, you know, I mean, tonight we saw them basically with line shifts, right, which isn't how yeah. they're going to play in the regular season, right? They're basically taking out the five starters all at once. Uh, obviously, you'll you'll see them getting staggered, and, you know, you're not going to see all those guys play every night. Um, so, it, yeah, again, I, I would just say, again, for people that really want to see the young guys get opportunities, um, you know, we may require a bit of patience. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see those guys, you know, on opening night. Um, I imagine we'll probably see Marjon. You know, a lot of coaches will play, go a little bit deeper early in the season um, as they're kind of evaluating guys, et cetera. Uh, but, you know, again, um, maybe we'll see, yeah, 11 guys or something on, on opening night. Uh, but I would say for better or worse, uh, the, you know, the kind of the wing, the wing rotation spots, there's definitely still a lot of minutes to be won there. And uh, I don't, I don't know that we have, you know, any, any really definitive answers here three games into the preseason, but, you know, kudos to Marjan, you know, looking a bit better again. And I, you know, I think the the thing that I've, I am probably, you know, have been struck by in a negative way. Uh, again, I'm trying to get around saying most concerned by it, but, um, but I think just like the lack of like physicality and, I don't know. They just like don't like just the point of attack defense. Whether it's Beasley campaign, obviously Dame is not like a high level defender. 
but just like getting over screen, like can anybody on this team get over a screen? Like uh, it doesn't really seem, <laughs> it doesn't really seem like it. D'Angelo Russell felt like he played the be- way better perimeter defense than anybody on the Bucks tonight. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out exactly kind of how much this defense is going to be able to paper over some of those uh, inadequacies on the perimeter. Um, you know, I think Giannis and Brooke make up for a lot. Um, and I think, you know, the kind of new coach, good vibes, energy will can carry you a ways too, just in terms of effort and, and all that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like the bucks have giving been giving the coaching staff a lot of tape to, uh, to work on and, and to, uh, to use in film sessions, which is the way that they've been um, just kind of doing some of the fundamental stuff, whether it's getting over screens or, just, you know, keeping your man in front of you. I don't know. Just, it just feels like it's been pretty rough and, you know, it's a preseason, whatever. Um, but, uh, uh, definitely something we're gonna have to bear, bear watching, uh, as, uh, as the season gets closer. I want to ask you some more questions about the defense here, uh, coming up, uh, particularly the, the three point defense. We've heard about the idea of the Bucks uh, wanting to cause a little bit more chaos, perhaps, uh, perhaps some, create some more, live ball turnover. So I want to get to some more defense stuff, what we've seen in a very limited sample size coming up here next, because it is going to be a talking point. Uh, first, BetterHelp, our sponsor of today's podcast. And uh, do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Uh, this is something that uh, absolutely uh, applies to me. I'm, I'm an overthinker for sure. And sometimes you're wondering about what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't actually bring yourself to do it. And sometimes you just need to talk about it. And therapy can help you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself, uh, depending on what's going on in your life. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, which is very nice because it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And then you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge if it's not quite working out for you. So make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H E L P.com slash locked on NBA. Let's talk defense, Frank, because I do think that, and whether or not, there's been some reactions to the Drew Holiday stuff because it feels like you know, perhaps he's getting a little bit more attention in Boston there than he did in Milwaukee. So there's some defensive nature to this. Of course, the Bucks also picked up a superstar in Damian Lillard. So I don't think if you're a Milwaukee fan, you should be feeling you know, too upset about the way things worked out. I think it's pretty damn exciting. But even before Drew Holiday, there was Eric Bledsoe. And I think the screen navigation stuff, those two guards were elite at it. They were all defense guards at the position. So the Bucs are just walking into a situation they haven't been in before. I do have some concerns about how much Giannis and Brook Lopez are going to be asked to do at, at the rim and the, the effort they're going to have to put in defensively. That, that's a little bit of a concern for me. I think the other thing that we're seeing with the Bucs, and we saw it a lot tonight, and they weren't really hurt by the Lakers in this regard tonight because the Lakers didn't shoot uh, that well from three. They were nine for 34 uh, all over. But you are seeing a lot of scrambling from this Bucks defense, whether it's guys that are potentially out of position a little bit, whether they're caught because they aren't able to get uh, over those screens as quickly as necessary. And I think that we're just seeing that the Bucks are potentially going to be in a position where ball rotation, ball swings that we've seen before in the past, think back to Jason Kidd, Bucks teams, 
there's going to be a lot of open threes. And, and I, I wonder whether this is going to be a stat to track because we've talked about the three-point defense in the past and it's frustrated Bucks fans, but it was for a very different reason to what it might be something to watch this year. And it, and it does, you know, some of these defensive possessions, you're seeing the guys work pretty damn hard, uh, scrambling, trying to, trying to keep up uh, with the opposition offense. So I think it's going to be something to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think... In a, from a theoretical standpoint, I mean, I think where the Bucks ended up last year was probably the best place that they'd been in terms of, you know, you had the big man led sort of drop defense type of, of kind of, you know, base that we've, we've seen in the past, but the concerted effort to reduce sort of the, you know, unnecessary helping, it really paid off. I mean, the, the opponent three point attempt numbers, really went down the corner three numbers you know were terrific in terms of opponent three pointers allowed um so they were in a really good place and i mean in the irony is even in the miami series like the opponent defensive numbers in terms of you know they allowed the fewest wide open threes of i think any team in like the last five years in the playoffs like in terms of average uh, opponent wide open threes allowed per game and of course it didn't matter because the heat just hit everything anyway um but, uh, you know, I think tactically they got to a very good place. And so, you know, I think we've talked a lot about the Bucks needing different pitches, needing more flexibility, malleability, unpredictability. Um, I think that certainly will be, seems like from everything that we've heard Adrian Griffin talk about and what we've seen so far, I would anticipate that that will be an area, um, you know, they're going to try different stuff, right? I thought like, what, three minutes left in the second quarter, I think we saw what looked like, you know, a zone defense um, that the Bucks trotted out. And, you know, I, I don't know. I think they only may have run it like for a single, uh, a single possession, but they forced a 24 second call. And, and again, it was kind of like scrambling and like Giannis was on the, you know, far side of the court. And then he rotated over along the baseline and he was like on the other side of the court. And, you know, was, they were all kind of like scrambling, running around, you know, as it's like, I'm not sure if that was like exactly how the, uh, you know, defensive, zone amoeba was supposed to be contorting itself but it worked at least at least, <laughs> at least for that possession um but yeah i am i mean I, I don't it's hard for me i don't try to read too much into into preseason stats because again like the your team and the opponent team and the lineups like are, are such a hodgepodge and such a mess it's kind of hard to you know tease out real like tactical nuggets from again also just such a tiny sample size um and you know, even tonight, I mean, Lakers shot nine for thirty-four from three, which is a bad number, right? I don't know how much of that was, you know, Bucks defense. They missed a lot of open threes. Thirty-four attempts is is not bad, right? If the Bucks were allowing, yeah. you know, fifty threes per per game in the preseason, then you'd think like, ooh, you know, that's not not so great. <laughs> that's not so great. That's that's concerning. Um, so yeah, I think it'll just be a really interesting stat. I totally agree. I mean, the the opponent three point stats, and and not just you know less so the percentage right because we know the percentage can can kind of fluctuate but um but the opponent you know three point the open looks that they allow where they improved significantly last year um the total number obviously that they allow and also just the breakdown of corner versus above the break threes you know even when the bucks were allowing a lot of threes they tended to be more above the break which were you know a lower percentage shot oftentimes that's you know more like big guys on pick and pops things like that not um, you know, good shooters parked in the corner. So, uh, so yeah, we'll, 
we'll see. I'm really curious. You know, they're they're obviously banking on, you know, some the, the kind of trade-offs, right? That they're going to force more turnovers and be able to, uh, you know, capitalize offensively off that as well. Um, but whether the math, you know, bears that out, um, that will be something we'll have to see. You know, Toronto, they obviously did, you know, the the fast break numbers, the turnover numbers were definite pluses in the last couple of years, uh, but they also gave up a ton of threes and the defenses were okay, but not great. Uh, I think the most important thing to know about those Toronto defenses though, is that, you know, probably the best analog for personnel that the Bucks have is the second year that Nick Nurse and Adrian Griffin were there after the championship that second year that they had a quote unquote full year of Marcus Gasol. He still missed like 30 games or something like that. But, you know, they really, until they traded for Jakob Pertl last year, they really didn't have like a true kind of drop big man um, in those sort of intervening years. And the defense was not great. Like people love talking about like, oh, the Nick Nurse, crazy, you know, all six, eight wings, blah, blah, blah. Well, they, they weren't actually that good defensively, you know, in terms of the bottom line. But they were awesome when they had Marcus Gasol. And again, in the grand scheme of, you know, analogs for Brooke Lopez, he's a, a pretty good analog, right? big guy, not super mobile, but very cerebral rim protector and offensively also can space the floor. So, um, you know, those Toronto teams also had way better wing defenders than this version of the Bucks, uh, you know, between guys like OG and you know, even like Norm Powell, you know, Fred Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry, their guards, like we're all much better defenders than, you know, whoever you drew the comparison on for this year's Bucks. So again, the fact that that second year, Raptor team was super elite. I think they were second in total defense. You know, again, that, that doesn't guarantee anything for the Bucks, but um, but we'll see. But you know, bottom line, again, we'll cite it again. Justin's comment from the live pod in the summer. He didn't think the Bucks had their starting shooting guard on the roster at the time. Um, I think again, if they take this current roster, unless, unless you know, especially one of those young guys like really pops in terms of being like an answer as a defensive wing. Um, it just feels like there's there's a move that has to be made at some point, and we'll see what that might be and if they do it before the trade deadline. But in the meantime, I think they can get along just fine in the regular season. But again, it's you know, um, are you comfortable taking going to the playoffs with with that you know like wing wing defensive hole? I probably won't feel so excited about it if if they don't make a change. But um, obviously, a long time between now and and April. There's plenty to watch. And uh, I'm not so sure that we've said that coming into the last few seasons. So certainly it feels a little bit different uh, entering a Milwaukee Bucks season anyway, which is pretty fun. And I have to say, I can't remember being this excited to watch a preseason game than I was a little bit earlier today to watch Bucks and Lakers. So we'll see what happens over the next few days. As I said, Locked on Bucks every day this week, of course, post-game show coming up uh, in a couple of nights' time as well. But let us know how you thought. Frank's got his hand up. He's got one more thought, which means we've got approximately 22 minutes left in the podcast. Frank, go for it. Well, we didn't really talk about – I mean, this is the first time we've seen Giannis since, obviously, the the last game of the playoffs. Um, my Just a couple other just kind of comments about Giannis. So he showed up – You know, his official weight – this this year was 254 up from officially at least 243 a year ago um he it feels like he does look maybe a little bit heavy you know obviously he's still a freak of nature you know like the the dunk he had in the open court he had the dunk where he lost it and dunked on ad i mean he's still doing stuff that's super impressive i i kind of wonder you know is he going to 
get a, maybe a little leaner as the season wears on. I, I don't, you know, again, who knows, right? When you're that big, like swinging five to eight pounds isn't really that big of a deal, right? Like it's not that big of a number when you're 250 pounds and, you know, a peak physical athlete, like it probably depends on, you know, how much water you drank the last few hours. But, um, but I don't know. I, I, I do kind of wonder maybe Giannis is, is a little bit big right now. Um, he might be a little bit better off um, if he was just a little bit leaner. And again, I, I don't, you know, this is based off seeing him play for 15 minutes and he scored 16 points and had, you know, seven out of 10 shooting that period. So it's not like it, like, not like it was a huge problem or something, but, um, but I do wonder maybe carrying a little less weight would be helpful. And also just thinking about his knees and his joints, right? Like, you know, generally speaking, being leaner, better, better on the joints. Uh, I, um, it was nice to see him score his first basket on like a little mini improvised hook shot. We always like to shout out hook shots around here. Yep. Um, and then uh, only shot one free throw tonight. Um, was probably it was a very uncomplicated. Like, I I don't know that it's it's dramatically dramatically different from last year, but it seemed like just some of the dilly dallying, like the long breath beforehand, seemed very limited. One dribble, and up. And um, I don't know. He made one free throw out of one attempt tonight. So I'm going to go ahead and say the sample is small. <laughs> but uh, we are obviously keen observers of the Giannis free throw routine and free throw success. And uh, I think I speak for all Bucks fans when I'd say, if you offered me 70% Giannis free throw shooting, my mental health uh, would be much better for this forthcoming season. So again, we'll see. I feel like we, we always sort of like, people always argue about like his mechanics. I feel like, again, this is largely a mental issue in terms of his free throw shooting and, and what he tries to do and how he changes things up. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see. I would love it if we didn't talk too much about Giannis free throw shooting this year, but uh, to be continued. Well, if uh, people got uh, on our uh, friends over at FanDuel, they would have seen uh, the line locked on bucks more than 1.5 post-game shows before Frank mentioned Giannis's free throw routine and <laughs> if you took the under congratulations you're rich one first preseason game and you said if he's 70 percent from the free throw line it'll be good for your mental health he's 100 percent right now so you're gonna sleep Damn. like an absolute baby tonight one mm-hmm. for one uh from the free throw line uh for Giannis he also did take a you know a little free throw line fade away there didn't knock it down hit his one three-point attempt so it looked like he was trying a few different things but as I said he was seven for ten from the field which is pretty nice uh, efficiency and as always, there were some plays there. Certainly, the effort level doesn't really wane uh, for Giannis when he comes out in preseason. I definitely held my breath a couple of times where I was like, I don't know if you need to be uh, hitting the floor like this on October 16 or whatever the date is today. But he got through. The Bucks got through. Two or one in the I, preseason. No, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you one last pick. You guys talked about MVP last year or last week with Justin and and, J- and Josh and all that. I definitely agree, Giannis. The, the higher MVP likelihood, certainly above Dame on, on this team. I do think, though, I, I think you know, the odds of Giannis winning an MVP with Dame, with Jokic being as good as he is and how durable he is, I think it's probably pretty low. I think he was like plus 500, plus 550, something like that. Um, I saw he was plus 750 for Defensive Player of the Year. My, perhaps not hot take, but my random gambling take for this Sunday night is I think it's I think Giannis for Defensive Player of the Year is a better bet than for MVP. Uh, I don't know. We saw the, the the GM poll like Giannis was like I think the 
best defender in the league in that poll, which surprised me a little bit. Um, I think uh, I think he's going to be more active, more engaged, probably more involved on ball this year than he has been in previous years. You know, I think he tweeted after not making either of the all defensive teams um, about disrespect and all that. Uh, so I hope he comes out uh, motivated to make plays defensively. Obviously, we talked about Adrian Griffin and him wanting the team to make more defensive plays. And obviously Giannis is the best defensive playmaker they have. So I think some of the defensive stat numbers, block steals, I would expect those to rebound after kind of really hitting, well, quote unquote rock bottom last year, at least for, by Giannis's standards. So I think he's going to have a big year defensively. And I think if the Bucks end up having a very good defense, like an elite defense, you know, there's not going to be any illusion that it was because of their, <laughs> their guards and wings. So it'll be all because of, Giannis and and Brooke Lopez, so uh, so I think he's got a decent shot at defensive player of the year. He's obviously won it before, and uh, you know even last year when he wasn't putting up big defensive stats, he was still peripheral to the conversation. So uh, so yeah, that's my my random take. And now Kane, I'll back away from the computer. I'll stop raising my finger to tell you that I have things to say, and we can let people go on with their their Mondays. No, it's a strong take from you. Yes, I was uh, pretty comfortable with that one. I think Giannis would be uh, the MVP if there's going to be an MVP coming from this team this year. I feel pretty confident about that. But that's right. I'm going to wrap it up now before I give you any more thinking time uh, to throw out one more thought. <laughs> We've still got a few podcasts to go, Frank, so uh, you've got to save some of those thoughts. We'll leave it there. Uh, as I said, we appreciate the support for the show. Hopefully you had fun watching this preseason game and this podcast tonight. So let us know what you thought from the early impressions from Dame and Giannis together on the floor. We'll catch you all tomorrow.